0: Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field and the classroom each week. Episodes of this podcast can get you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com, so head over there for more information. I'm your host, Steve Williams, and with me is Dan and Holly. Guys, welcome back. Say hello.
1: Well, hello. It's just last week we were, uh, uh, we were together.
0: I know. together. We're doing this regularly now. It's awesome. I know. Last week was a little more convenient. Yeah. Yeah. We, we met up in Salem, where Dan is much more closer to than anyone else but <laughs> <laughs> Holly's closer <laughs> as well um, today we're we're hitting the education side of EMS hard mm-hmm. um, we're going to talk to uh, our guest Adam Colbertson, who is a uh, community college educator in uh, North Carolina and has some great uh, insights and information for us on what the future of EMS education looks like so I like it excited to talk with him should we give him a call let's do it all right Hello. Hey, is this Adam? Yes, sir. All right, so I'm excited to welcome our guest, Adam. Uh, Adam is a uh, community college educator in North Carolina. He teaches all sorts of EMS programs. So, Adam, it's really good to have you on the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you, sir. I'm yeah. <clears throat> glad you invited me.
0: Uh, so let's, let's get a little bit of your background. Um, I'd love to have the listeners hear some more about you, what you're into, and um, you know what you're, what you're doing in EMS these days.
2: So my background, um, I come from the um, the hills of Virginia. I uh, started out in Super rural EMS working for a um, – actually, I started out volunteer, and then I started working for a private ambulance service that we did 9 one um, After that, I went and moved to Greenville, South Carolina, then on to North Carolina, and I've been here for 14 years. I've been in the education realm since 2012. I worked my way up in the community college system. Uh, now I'm the court fire EMS coordinator for a uh, little town uh, little county of Edgecombe County uh, community college. Uh, wow. You know, I, I, I love it. Uh, I love educating. Um, but you know, the thing that that really interests me most right now is, is the industry and where it's heading and, and we need to get it back on the right direction.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you about that today. Cause that's, probably the majority of the questions we have for you relate to where the heck is EMS education going? Because, you know, I guess one of the first things that I kind of put this type of episode on my radar was um, we had a uh, EMS chief at my organization. He was lamenting at how um, just across the country with COVID, people couldn't remember their immunology lectures when it came to how do vaccines work? Why are vaccines good? Um, What does, you know, good hygiene do to prevent viral illness and, and and all these kind of basic things that should be touched on in an, I would say an introductory immunology lecture. Yeah. And so, you know, we don't need to like completely harp on vaccinations, but at the same time, like, it was really concerning seeing how many people that are treating COVID patients aren't getting vaccinated for whatever reason. And it was it was tough to see, but I, I remember seeing that and going, okay, well, where's the gap, right? Where are we lacking in EMS education? Because it was also in nursing. Um, mm-hmm. We saw a large percentage of nurses not get vaccinated. Um, physicians, I, I not so much, you know?
2: I don't think it was a lack of really education. I think it was more rebellion yeah. um I, I think i think we all knew the consequences uh, of of not getting vaccinated mm-hmm. however the the biggest thing was is you had people screaming everywhere you know you need to get it or you don't need to get it mm-hmm. and then you had some people who were just rebellious mm-hmm. they 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 were like the government's not going to tell me what to do right and you know i it was one of those things. I really feel like if the government would have stayed out of it, sure, then people would have probably used more common sense. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it got very politicized. Yeah, pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, that was It is on on all sides, you know, and and more. Knows I love my politics, you know, but it, <laughs> it was all sides. But it was all sides that mm-hmm. that really, uh, really hyped it up. You know, had you had one side saying you have got to get it and. And started setting measures to make sure that everybody got it. And you had the other side rebelling. Mm-hmm. Nobody was working together. So people just were like, you know what? If, if they were that political party, they, they rebelled. If they were the other political party, they complied. So mm-hmm. there, there was really no, nobody was using their brain yeah. um, per se.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, I and, also, and that's just kind of my take on it.
1: Mm-hmm. I also, uh, at least on this part of the country, with uh, what Steve was talking about the education uh, people are not educated on immunology
0: we we saw a decent gap um, mm-hmm. when you know and I, I had I'm one of the guys who likes to have conversations about differing opinions like I actually love hearing other people's takes on stuff without getting upset without like yeah telling them they're stupid and right. you know walking away <laughs> and
2: that's called, that's called being an adult yeah <laughs> I think that's maturity right yeah <laughs>
0: Um, (laughs) And when I would Talk to a couple of these guys that chose To not get vaccinated um, A lot of times kind of like what You're saying Adam they they couldn't even really Put it in their own words why they chose not to They just didn't want to be told what to do Quote unquote And then there were a couple that were like I would say off the deep end Into conspiracy theories Um, But then You know there were others that were Claiming religious freedoms and things Like that but then you know, I, when I would get to the point of, you know, your reasons are your own, but can we at least agree on some basic facts? And I would say, do you believe that the numbers we're seeing are as accurate as we can predict them to be or know them to be with with, with the understanding that they're not 100% accurate? Like, right. do you believe right. we're doing our best to present the best numbers possible? Um, and that was a yes or no. And, you know, I think... Just in general, the the take that people had when we got to the topic of, do you know what vaccines do for you? Like, have you gotten other vaccines? Yeah. Um, you know that kind of stuff, and I can understand that. But yeah.
3: if we're talking oh, yeah. about like gaps in, in EMS education, I mean, obviously, we took biology and <clears throat> things in order to get have our prerequisites to get into paramedic school, but paramedic school itself didn't talk about vaccines or immunology really much, maybe mm-hmm. some epidemiology. But it's for the most basic. part, that was kind of like, what did you learn in your prerequisites in order to get into school? And right. back then, vaccines weren't a thing. Like, yeah. I mean, they were a thing, but they weren't a topic
4: right. of conversation. They weren't a hot topic for sure.
3: Right. Um, so you're right. There was, there was a pretty big gap um, there. Um, when I went to nursing school, we had quite a bit more talk on that but there was a lot of epidemiology and community medicine and it was a little bit more applicable and relevant mm-hmm. um, so I'm not saying we should put it back in the paramedic curriculum but you know you're right I, it, it wasn't really I, I a, think it needs
1: to be, yeah. uh, it needs to be addressed I mean I, addressed. Had, yeah. I had no prerequisites when I went to paramedic school mm-hmm. yeah, yeah when,
2: I, when I was in medical school I had no prerequisites which I was actually one of the first people to do the degree program where I'm from mm. Oh. Um, so yeah, that that was I was like the, I think I was actually the second class that graduated, uh, the degree program for for Littletown in Southwest Virginia, Edge Computing or just Southwest Virginia Community College. I'm sorry. Oh, cool. Nice. So you have yeah, a really big.
3: So, so you've got a, a a nice timeline of where it was and now and where it is now.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and education in general has changed so much, and I know that was. I don't want to get ahead. I know that was kind of one of the topic questions, but. Yeah. So can I I go
1: back to gaps in education? Um, Yeah. uh, Obviously in the world we live in now, there is so much mental illness and I had zero training Mm -hmm. in mental illness.
2: Uh,
1: Are they doing that now?
2: So I will say that in my paramedic program, uh, I do, and I know it's not nearly enough. But, you know the book has one chapter dedicated to behavioral illnesses mm-hmm. in, in the in my medic program I actually do an entire weekend on behavioral emergencies uh, because oh, again that's since perfect. covid yeah since covid we've seen a, a dramatic increase in psychological illnesses mm-hmm. uh, mental, mental disorders you know, the amount the amount of Mental illness and, and behavioral emergencies that we see come into the ER, it's just, it, it's increased oh, so it's, much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tenfold at least. Mm-hmm. At least tenfold. So, what I've done is with my, with my, my paramedic classes, I've, like I said, I've taken an entire weekend, I've dedicated to uh, how to really deal with those behavioral emergencies because I don't think we get enough training on that. That's awesome. What Uh,
0: what do those weekends look like, Adam? When you're
2: so the the first day, so the first day, so they'll get the lecture during the week, uh, and and that's just the general book lecture Mm -hmm. during the week class. Because I do a what's called a flip flop class. So the Tuesday, Wednesday, they'll get their general lecture. Then after that, that Saturday, they're actually going to go through how to deal with like de escalation uh, of of these. Of these psych patients and how to you know to basically try to avoid uh, avoid restraints uh, you know yeah. because me to me I, I like to avoid restraints them at all time yeah absolutely so and then of course the second day uh, the Sunday that Sunday class they'll go through you know they will go through some mm-hmm. restraint techniques and stuff like that mm-hmm. but we, the focus is more on checking yourself checking your personality because. Nine times out of 10, when we interact with those patients, we escalate them. And it's unintentionally most of the time because we mm-hmm. don't watch our body language. Yeah. You know, body language is one of the biggest communicators we have. Right. I mean, just showing uh, up in uniform will escalate sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we don't watch our tone either. You know, our tone is another important thing. If we're having a bad day, we can't take that bad day out and and, and, and reflect it on a patient. You, you know, we have to watch how we talk, watch our mannerisms and things like that. And that's basically what it's about. That's, that's what we teach the paramedic students. Yeah. Is,
1: that's awesome. That's know, just, a lot. Yeah. Tons more than I had.
3: <laughs> do you feel like uh, when you go, since you work in the ER as well, um, I know on both sides of the equation as a nurse and as a paramedic, I, I had minimal training on what to do, um, how to de escalate or, you know, all of this. And I think we're all kind of afraid to make it worse. So then we right. don't say anything um, instead of just kind of being natural. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like in the hospital people have better training than in the field? Or what's your experience down there? I, I could
2: say that at the hospital that I work at, we, we are required to take a CTI class, uh, which is two parts. Um, first part is lecture and it's teaching you, it, it teaches you the basics of how to recognize psychological illnesses but it doesn't really teach you any de-escalation techniques. Right. Um, and then, of course, the second part of it is is hands-on. They teach you how to restrain and stuff like that. Nice. De-escalation is something that's very touchy, though. And and, and that's the thing. It's like you said a while ago. Well, we're, we're afraid we're going to make it worse. So we don't say anything at all. And sometimes not saying anything is, just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's about learning your patient. Uh, I once had a captain he sat down on the floor with his patient who was just having a medic episode and spent probably two or three hours just talking to them just to deescalate them. And and, you know, that that's commitment. That is true commitment.
3: That's a good dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. He is a very good dude. I remember having similar training
3: um, for when I worked in the ER, but um, it was mostly directed at how to keep myself safe and how to yes. safely restrain someone. Mm-hmm. So the training we got was how to be defensive and take someone down.
2: <laughs> right. Not necessarily it's not, how to
3: de-escalate. It's, and,
2: it's, it's, it's reactive training rather right. than yes, yes. training. That's a yeah. great way to put it. I, I was like, going to well, ask what down. you yeah. do
3: on the flip side of your, now you're training your crews and paramedics how to deal with someone else's mental health. How do you train your medics to deal with their own? Is there any kind of training in your program for that? That's a great question, Adam.
2: So, um, <laughs> We're pretty passionate we about yeah. mental health in this room right here, so <laughs> right. we're just curious. Right. Uh, right. And, and, you know, the thing is, is you know, mental health, there, there's so many negative things that, that affect our mental health. Uh, most people think it's from the critical cause that we've got. Uh, but if you look at the research, it's actually from our work environment that actually causes a lot of our mental illness issues. 24-hour um, so shifts. The, are,
1: the chronic, or are you talking about just how we work? The 24-hour shifts, shifts.
2: The chronic, the chronic stress, the 24-hour shifts, the um, you know conflicts with our coworkers, conflicts with our upper management. You know, all those things are actually, if you look, look at the research, is it, actually worse on your mental health than the critical incidents that we run. Now, both of them play into it. You know, both of them both of them do play into it, but the worst part is whenever you look at that chronic stress. And, Mm -hmm. and like I said, I'm, you know, I worked 24 hour shifts for years, but really they're not healthy. They they are, they are not healthy. Very true. And, you know, you have a lot of, there's a lot of busy EMS systems around here in, in North Carolina that just don't see that. They, they, they don't see that. And, it's it's causing me to have high turnover rates. Again, part of the problem is is that. Yes. Um, you know, we the, we've got to figure out a way and, and their 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 theory is well if we take away twenty four hour shifts then we're gonna lose employees. That that's their theory because a lot of employees like working twenty four hour shifts so they can go work other jobs. Yeah.
0: Yes. yeah. <laughs> that is so true. So So yeah. Adam, we, we're touching on a lot of different things in in EMS education, but when you look at, and we, we've we've already kind of gone down this road a little bit, but with, with the COVID era, what has it done to EMS education? What are we seeing um, happen because of it? What are the challenges that uh, people in the classroom are facing? And I'm just curious your take on all that.
2: So there were, many pros but there were a lot of cons that came from COVID education. I remember when COVID first hit and I had to move every class I had and that time at that time I was an interim coordinator. So I wasn't even I didn't have the official title. I was just filling in until they 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 hired me full time. Mm-hmm. But when that happened I had to move all my classes online. And you know, it really hurt the education system
4: mm-hmm.
2: because but a lot of the students, they're like, we don't learn as good online as we do in person. Mm-hmm. So I had to fight with, and not really fight, but I had to, um, I guess, prove myself that, hey, we need to get these guys back in the classroom. And I was finally able to get them in there in small groups. But COVID taught us that, you know, we have to, of course, adapt to overcome when it comes to education. It also showed us there was other ways to present materials such as Zoom or whatever type of video platform you use. Mm-hmm. But it also showed us that, you know, we can pay people less money, only have to pay one person if we do everything online.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and we really, you know, you, you neglected those important in-person skills that students need. Mm-hmm. Just social uh, skills, right? Social skills, and, and the thing is, is, like you know, I, I believe there are places for online education, uh, especially in the continuing education realm. But when it comes to initial courses, it's very limited on what should be done online, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, it, it's one of those things where you know, not many people are self-motivated learners, and a lot of people will tell you that when it comes to online classes, that they don't have the discipline for it themselves.
3: Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hands-on application when you're doing uh, paramedic teaching, too. Yes. You might what? learn the didactic portion of cardiac arrest, but then you need to practice it, too. So there's a lot of...
2: Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, it's, again, going back to the to my paramedic program. Uh, my paramedic program, is it, does, it goes for seven hours. You, you know, uh, it's a flip-flop schedule, seven hours, you're there. But the first half of the day, you're doing some type of light lecture. When you come back from lunch, you're up and motivated and you're doing some type of skill. Mm -hmm.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: So, I mean, you know, that's important. You've got to be able to, we have a lot of kinesthetic learners. So you have to be able to reach those learners and let them apply it to a skill.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's a technician level job, right? So we've got to be doing the hands-on stuff that it requires. Otherwise, it's, oh, yeah. Completely useless in a lot of ways because I can't tell you how many times we get interns or probationary members at our department, and they're fresh out of school, um, having the only you know experience being their internship, and you know they're they're trying to marry this like information they learned in class with what they're seeing in the field, and it's almost two separate things. Mm-hmm. The the Book education gets you into the door to get you out into the field, so to speak. And then the field really teaches you what you need to yeah, that's what focus it, on. It does. And, yeah. That's where the critical. So, thing so comes
2: So so a couple a couple of things that we do is, is I do not when, when we start into simulation. So we start in simulation after cardiology because by then they have a, a strong base, you know, for, for simulation. But when we start into simulation, I, I'm like, don't give them Always don't always give them like straight up scenarios that are easy to figure out. Make them have critical thinking skills. You know, uh, throw out there the, the weird hypothermic patient, you know, that looks, that's presenting with stroke symptoms. Do weird things to, to make them think outside the box. Don't give them the obvious. And, you know, I have a really great team, a uh, really great team that could come up with some of the best scenarios ever that I could never dream of. <laughs> that's awesome. So, I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing. My, my team is amazing. And my team does an amazing job at making sure these guys don't get stuck. They're not, they're not cookbook medics. They're, they're straight up able to critical think, do critical thinking. Mm-hmm.
3: And the thing about EMS is that crazy scenario you get in training that you're like, this is never going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something happen. It, it yeah. happens. Yeah, right. yep. They really do. Tell us about your
2: training right. center. So, okay. So our, uh, our training center is a little over 14,000 square feet, I do believe it. And um, so it consists of the first level is uh, my ambulance that's inside. I have an ambulance in the classroom. Nice. Uh, awesome. Then the second level, we have a two-bed ER. We have a couple other healthcare uh, entities there as well. Uh, but we share those facilities. We actually have live x-ray there. So we do, uh, uh, in October, we're doing a simulation like every allied health department together, um, we're doing actually a mass casualty incident. Oh, so we'll you. actually put we'll actually be able to put all those services into play. Uh, we have a laboratory. Uh, we have on the third floor. We have an ICU room.
3: Jeez. Uh, we also
2: have a uh, an apartment where we use as well for for simulation, like for our EMS students. That's mainly where our EMS students stay. They stay between the ambulance on the first floor and the third floor apartment uh, uh, we also have an L&B, too Wow Jeez. that's amazing yeah. that's real good yeah and uh, like I said every bit of it is functional and we can in you know we can use it for mass casualty incidents um, you know we have a lot of hurricanes here on the east Coast so absolutely you know, in the in the event there's like massive flooding we can actually use that as an alternate care facility.
1: it's also great stress inoculation hype them up a little bit, get them used to, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: let
3: them screw it up the first time around, yeah. do a good debrief, and then give them a chance to do it again. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. Right. Adam, curious what the last couple of years has done in terms of, you know, you started to touch on it with um, what the numbers you had in your classes were um, and what how that's maybe gone up and down. But then what, what kind of staffing shortages have you guys seen in North Carolina and what if anything do you think the the state's doing for, over there for it?
2: So in North Carolina, we've seen some severe staffing shortages. I can tell you that we had uh, multiple FEMA trucks in here up until middle of February, I believe, mm. uh, because of those staffing issues. We, you know, as we as we discussed earlier, the, the staffing issues. You know, everybody wants to say it's about pay. And and a lot of it is is about pay, but you know since it, it's like we were discussing earlier, since COVID hit, everybody's learned their self worth.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: They they know that they don't have to, to put up with the same work environment that they had before. And you got to think everybody's tired. They they were working mandatory overtime. Yeah, so they were you know and and some of those you know work multiple jobs too with a family, mm-hmm. so they were stressed. And they still are stressed because, you know, the this, this staffing shortage is still there. Right. And so, you know, like I said, a couple of agencies in the in the state have given tremendous pay raises. Uh, one county gave up, I think it was 47%, or no, 41%, and another county gave 27%. Wow. They're also doing hiring sign-on sign- bonuses, and I'm really help- hoping that helps them. But I just don't know in the long run until we change the culture of the UMS. You know, um, and one thing that we have to look at here is this is a different generation. Mm-hmm. They're not like, they're not like our generation when we were growing up. You know, we, uh, we had rules, we followed rules and it was yes sir no sir, yes ma'am, no man. Uh, this, this generation coming up, you know, they have questions you know, and they don't really lay down. They, they actually want to know things and, and get involved, and if administrators look at that, they can actually use that to their advantage because these sure. people are motivated, they are very motivated.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you, so, uh, with how techie our kids are, have you changed your, your educational? Um, what's the word? Okay, education delivery, yeah. Thank you, yeah. You did try to match that, Steve. You're so smart, five star techie.
2: So, um you know, we, we play a lot of kid games in, in my classroom. <clears throat> we, we do uh, cahoots. We love cahoots in the classroom. Oh, my mm-hmm. daughter loves cahoots. Cahoots, yeah, we, we, we do that. We do um, other things, you know, not as techie, but uh, things called four corners, uh, which is kind of like when you go around the room and you figure out the, the letters and you solve the puzzle. Um, and, you know, those things may be quirky, but they're really good for helping those students remember. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, remember lessons it's it's great because, you know, to see adults up there, you know, being competitive <laughs> in a game. Yeah. And some of the names they come up with in cahoots, man, those are great too. <laughs> I don't
1: think I've ever played that.
0: It's fun. It's it's you basically have your everybody has their phone out or a device. Okay. And they're logging in to basically a server that's been set up for the classroom and then yeah. that, that server asks questions that the teacher, you know, injects it into it. Okay. And then you get scored based on how quickly you answered. Is it a verbal or you and whether write or not you down. got it correct? No, it's like pressing an ABC or oh, D okay. type thing on your phone and then like red well, is A it's or the, it, it,
2: is It's blue. the greatest thing since sliced bread, I can tell you. And it's <laughs> easy to operate.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've, I've been to a couple of courses where this one uh, instructor in particular that works for us has used it. And it's a really good way to engage people. Um, even the people who are like, just bemoaning being there. Yeah, yeah. You know, they get really because
3: not everyone yeah. wants to raise their hand and say the answer, but it gives right. everyone a chance to answer. Kind right. of
2: right, um, and they don't even have obviously. to use their legit name. I mean, they could use some erroneous name like pepperoni or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some thing. creative names.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> don't give middle schoolers that option.
2: <laughs> right. So or yeah, so adults. we do those. We typically do those the first thing. That that kind of gets everybody into the feel of the day. And um, we do, like I said, either a Kahoot or four corners, but we do some type of stimulating activity every morning. In great. the classroom, my rule on cell phones are: please bring your cell phone,
4: mm-hmm.
2: because wow. honestly, honestly, you're not going to keep people from doing it. So you might as well use those. Right. Uh, so you know, you bring your cell phone. Just the only thing we ask is, if you get a phone call, you step out or whatever. Don't be like on it all the time. Right. But we allow them to use their cell phones to do like to look up things and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, laptops same way. Yeah. But what I you know what I do is if I'm instructing that day, I occasionally get in the classroom. I usually I try to stand at the back of the classroom so I can see what everybody's doing. Yeah. And and, and that way I can kind of monitor their activity, and they'll have to occasionally turn around and look at me too. But you know, um, we we encourage technology because. You're not going to stop it, so you might as well just you might as well embrace it, it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: embrace it. Yes.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: What do you think? What do you think is lacking in EMS education these days, Adam?
2: Honestly, simulation, and simulation doesn't have to be high tech. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, the thing is, we can go in there, and, and, and I we call it the death by PowerPoint. Everybody has death by
0: PowerPoint. Right.
2: It's horrible. You sit in the classroom for eight hours and you just listen to the lecture, 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 lecture. But honestly, there needs to be some type of stimulation every day when you're in class. So something small It doesn't matter. Something small. Something to help you retain that knowledge. Because honestly, they're not going to remember it. You, you, your kinesthetic learners are not going to remember unless you engage them. You, know, you have to have something to put it into practice. Um, and simulation can be done cheaply. You know, I have a neighboring college, um, the director there is fabulous with simulation on a low-income low, low income budget. It's just about being creative. It is what it is. Uh, you know, and, and like even in my classroom, I don't always pull out the, the high-tech stuff because, you know, the EMT students, they do great on the low-fidelity mannequins and that's where they need to be. Mm-hmm. But we, we'll, to, we'll do things like putting yogurt in the so to, to simulate, you know, they're choking or fluid in the airway. I mean, right. little things like that, that you can do that are important. Mm-hmm. The other aspect is, is that a lot of times in the classroom, we, we don't, we don't make sure everybody understands the material. You know, we, we're not doing any recaps at the end of the day to make sure that everybody understands what we're covering and, and things like that. Um, I'm one of the few classes here that I assign homework to my students Mm -hmm. because it helps those who are the read-write learners retain the information. Of course, everybody else gets so angry and doesn't want to do it, but -hmm. they do it anyway because, you know, and the homework is just basically the worksheets that go with the book Mm -hmm. is all it is. But it helps them. It makes me know that they're reading their, well, at least they're reading their book to get the answers. But still, they're reading the book. Yeah. And and it helps me gauge how they're doing, you know, if they're, if they're doing okay, if they're, you know, if they need help and stuff like that. So that's important. You know, you have to hit every learner. You can't just focus on one or two. Mm -hmm. You
3: um, said that there are worksheets that go with the book. What kind of books um, do you use?
2: So we we, we use the Brady Five Book Series, Mm -hmm. Principles of Practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been using that for years. And... um, have really good success with it, so I'm I'm kind of a creature ahead of myself.
3: That's good. I, I've noticed I have a teenager, and she just they don't have books. Yeah, everything's on That's the so weird, isn't it? the Chromebook. Like, yeah. there's no math book. Right. And I love that yeah. you still incorporate books into your classroom because it is really important to be able to see it and go through the write it and the practice problem, it and all of the different things you're talking about.
1: The only problem with books is they're. Several years
3: behind, right? They can get outdated easily. You know. Yeah.
1: Do you do you have anything like? And I'm not trying to do anything for our podcast here, but do you have them listen to podcasts or any type of uh, YouTube so, videos?
2: So, like I'm still behind on technology. I'll just be honest. Um, you go, sir. You know, uh, so the thing is, is like you know, as far as podcasting stuff goes, like I'll, I'll be honest, like I listen to y'all's podcast, like whenever we started talking. I was like, I've really got to catch up on this. So I want to listen to the podcast. <laughs> because, because to be honest with you, I'm the type of person when I'm working, I like to jam out. And like that helps me focus. Like mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. listen to many podcasts myself. stuff. But there, you know, uh, there again, I allow the students to say, hey, you know, this is a good podcast. Because the students are more tech savvy than I am. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, do, I do listen to them a lot. They can teach you a lot.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's
3: good for driving to and from. Places. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, Adam, you, you've talked about in a couple of your responses, the, the culture of EMS and, you know, work environments. And I'm curious what y- your take is on what needs to change in, you know, both the work environment of EMS and maybe even the culture of EMS and what that could do for our profession in general.
2: Let's start let's start with the culture of EMS. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the culture has always been that uh, I'm gonna say always but that admin admin has the ultimate answer to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, we eat our own in EMS. We are horrible no, at eating our own. Yeah. Uh, we think that we think that when when new employees come in they should be educated to the standard of that EMS hmm so we have to change that culture. We have to realize that there's a, first of all, we have to realize that our employees are valuable. Each employee has an amazing ability of some sort. Some people are amazing at reading and writing. Some people are amazing at making websites. So find out what your employee is amazing at and use it. That's what I do. I have one girl. She can make flyers and posters. like They're, like, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. So like that's what I put her to do. You know, she teaches my refresher classes. I have another one who is good at teaching uh, cardiology. So every cardiology lecture, I put him in the classroom.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, finding out what your employees are good at and use that and give them gratitude for it. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's not like when we were younger. You know, we just, you know, we got to do a job. We did a the job. These people now, they want some type of gratitude knowing, hey, I'm doing a good job. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Be willing to do that. Be willing to do it multiple times.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: don't expect people. Up. Yeah, don't expect people to come in and be educated to your standards. Remember, there's a gap between school and the job.
0: Right.
2: And you know, it, it's like we say: when you start the job, you throw the book out the window because you have to you have to adapt and overcome a lot in the field. It is all of our responsibilities to educate new employees. We are all educators in that aspect. So you have to have grace with new employees. You have to be willing to teach them and do it in a manner to where they understand it and that's not demeaning to them. Don't act like they're a burden to you. Right.
1: I think with the shortages, and, we just, we look at our employees as just someone filling a seat. Right. And I know that's what yeah, I am. Someone but, and, seat. And,
2: and, and sadly, you're right. That is how we, we look at our staff. But I have, you know, one rule, I have, I have one rule in my classroom: we do not talk negatively about other EMS providers, and we do not talk negatively about EMS agencies. That is my only rule. Wow.
3: That's good. And, you and know, the reader, as the as the new students come out of school, don't forget that they can teach us a lot, too, yeah. because it's right. all fresh in their mind, and we might have forgotten that oh, absolutely. gem that they learned, or maybe it wasn't a thing yeah. when we went to paramedic school. yeah. yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I
2: hire my students. I will hire my students to teach. Mm-hmm. If they if they, if they they show top of the class, I will hire them to teach if, they're wanting, if they want to teach. That's awesome. That's really cool. Because that's the thing. Everybody, and, and I try to, and I preach this for years. Everybody is important. Everybody has a strong point. Everybody has a weakness. That's why we work together. That's why it's a team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not it's not admin team. It's everybody's team. It's not just you know the, the the higher bosses that know what's going on. You know, yeah, they may make the playbook, but your lower level people are very smart and they can help you make that playbook. Right. If you just listen. Absolutely. Um. You know, as far as changing EMS in general and changing, I think what was the second part of that question? I'm sorry.
0: Oh boy. Did I hit it all?
2: I think you hit it Whether all.
0: Um, Okay, you're hitting more than it all. Yeah, doing great. I I think that um, you know you've also touched on, and we've actually done a podcast on the generational differences that we have in our um, profession now, and you know, I feel like I'm right on the bubble of what do they call me a genial Gen X millennial? Like, there's this five year gap where like I don't know. There's all these different terms that they throw out there, but um, right you know, and I feel like kind of like what you hit on, you know, we recognize these differences, but we don't usually celebrate them a whole lot. Yeah. Um, And, you know, kind of like what you said, Adam, like they, a lot of people that we're hiring nowadays want feedback. They want, you know, praise or they want, um, they want to know that their work is being appreciated and valued. And, you know, pretty, I would say gone are the days where, you can just skate by with not knowing who your boss is and not hearing any feedback and just showing up to work and getting your work done and going home. Like there, there needs to be a lot more purpose behind what what people want out of their jobs now. And you said it very early on. COVID has taught us that you know life is short and we want value out of what we you know give our working years to. And you know, and
2: the thing is, and and I used to be one of these people. You know, this this younger generation oh my gosh, and, and I'll say it's Southern, they got so much
4: sass.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sass. But really, it's, it's not as much about them being sassy as it is them just wanting to know and them wanting to know to, to know their voice is heard. Right. That's all it is. You can take that energy and, and trust me, I have a couple that, that I that I have that are my best employees that I do. just They're amazing, but they want to know. They want to know is this being done right? They want to know how it works.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: once you show them, they will take off with it and they will do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my EMT my instructor EMT is one of those. Like she, She's like, I'm working on my sassiness, is what she said. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on my sassiness. But it's hard because I want to make sure that I'm giving my students 100% and that I know everything I need to know. And I said, you know what? I can, I can deal with that. Sure. I can deal That's with that. Good. And, and that makes me happy that you're that way because when it comes to that class, I don't have to worry about it. Right. And, and ultimately,
3: ultimately this next generation coming up might have better job satisfaction than we do yeah. because they feel, um, heard and that they have meaning in what they do and they've asked questions to better understand it. Yeah. Right. I,
0: I think good feedback is top down and, you know, mm-hmm. bottom up because, it's a healthy organization encourages that um, at all levels. So,
2: I think one thing is we're we're stuck in the fact that again, a lot of your admin staff is older, and they're from that generation, the same generation as us, where you know when we're told something, we do it, and we don't we don't talk back, we don't you know, right. And I guess it's probably our downfall at the same time because right. we never we didn't never wanted things. you know, right. We didn't question it; we just did it. Mm-hmm.
3: Is that? Do you think that the questioning comes across as um, disrespectful? Disrespectful, and but what it really is is they just truly want to know.
2: Yeah, it, I do. I do. I think. I think it's uh, you know, unfortunately, cell phones have ruined us because we text now more than the So the one thing we are lacking in the new generation is actual communication skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, the thing is, is what. We most of the time interpret as sass is not really them sass. It's just it's just them wanting to know. I mean, you know, it's it's them, and it's no different than my eleven year old. When he raises his voice, he doesn't always do it intentionally. It's just he wants to know why he's doing it <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Right? Uh, yeah, getting to the the core of what is being asked or inquired about versus yeah. I didn't like that tone, you know, and then, right. Yeah.
3: Don't sass me. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, cool. Um, I guess, you know, the last question I've got for you, Adam, um, as we kind of start to wrap up our time is what are some of the things that you want to see uh, EMS change or the direction you want it to head or take that question wherever you want. But what would you like to see improved?
2: You know, um, the one thing, and, I know this is going to step on some toes, but I, I want to see paramedics be, you know, required to have degrees. And that and doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to affect them as a clinician. Because it's not. They're still going to be great clinicians even without that, that degree. Mm-hmm. But what it is going to do is it's going to open doors. It's going to make them better at social skills, make them better at reading, writing, things like that, math. Uh, so it's going to help them in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you know, moving towards that direction. And it's also going to help with pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to, yeah, I would love to see more A- EMS education on leadership. And we, we have to educate our leaders. One thing I just posted on LinkedIn, you know, is, is, you know, how do we eliminate that toxic work environment? And it's education. We have to educate our leaders, be willing to, uh, step up and mentor people because the, we, we have to have good leaders for the future. Uh, You know, not many people know it, but like like you said earlier, EMS right now is is in apparel. I mean, so we have to figure out a way to save our industry because, um, as one of our EMS admins said the other day at at the conference, you know, it's it's not looking good over the next five years. It is. So, you know, we've got to, so I want to see EMS move to where, you know, we have respect and that we're, we have the respect that we need. And we're gaining momentum and, yeah. we, you know, we're respected.
1: I think a strong uh, union, like the IFF for the firefighters, if we had something like that for paramedics would be, would be huge. Mm-hmm. So cool. It really would. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. That's why the nursing profession is elevated. Well, first of all, it's so much <laughs> older than the paramedic profession, but it's been elevated in pay and safety because of our union. Right. I right. mean, here in Oregon anyways.
0: Right. And um, I mean, you know, they talk about, and I'm not going to get them all, but the big five that a union goes for, right, in general, pay, working conditions, um, you know, safety is like arguably the biggest one mm-hmm. because <laughs> the history with uh, companies is they didn't always do things the safest way. Right. and So, mm-hmm. you know, they say unions are a necessary evil, but I don't think they have to be viewed that way, but they, no, they're really good for, for what they're they're used for, you know.
2: Yes. So unions are definitely like in the South, we don't have too many unions,
0: Mm -hmm.
4: but,
2: Mm -hmm. um, you know, the ones we do have serve their companies well and they serve their employees well. So it's, it's a great medium between, it's a buffer between the employee and the company itself. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I I agree with you though about doing the degree program because it does increase the professionalism of, um, EMS and, uh, I, I when I went to paramedic school, I'd have two years of prerequisites, and then mm-hmm. a year of didactic, and then my for nursing school. No, this was for paramedic school.
0: school. Oh, okay.
3: Um, five star. Five star.
0: Yeah,
1: I forgot. I apologize. <laughs> but I was, I'm just saying that you have
3: to have all of this education just to apply to paramedic school, and then you go for whatever nine months or a year for didactic, and then you do your internship, and by then you should have had a degree, like. Right. Any other program right. that's that long, you should be graduating with a degree. So it kind of does a disservice to the paramedic community when you've done all this education yeah. and you have a certificate.
0: Well, and I think my personal take is we should be pairing up the paramedic education with the critical care curriculum. Yeah. And that to me is really the, the degree program is continuing to do more of what is already included in paramedic paramedic education and then marrying that with critical care curriculum because the stuff you learn in that class is so much. Oh yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. More. Uh, well, yeah, because within you, you have you have regular paramedics doing vent transfer, and they have they how to operate vent. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's someone's <laughs> profession is to operate event. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're just doing that on a whim, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Today, I'll, I'll you know just a example of kind of how crazy this is we sent my organization sent two paramedics less than five years experience between the two of them to transport a uh, elderly person with a uh, leaking aortic aneurysm uh, on all sorts of drips an hour and a half north uh, to a higher level of care couldn't fly them And couldn't uh, had to go code three in an ambulance on ground because of weather, and these guys have, they just don't have the foundational knowledge to be doing that, and it it's unfortunate. Like, there's the gap right there. Is Uh we we put them in these situations where organizations do that,
2: yeah,
4: and
0: it's it's like you guys, you're not you're not training us to that level, and you need to be.
2: No, I mean, and and, you know that's the thing is EMS, you know. Stepping up is not just a something that, you know, this that, that the agencies need to step up too because a lot of agencies don't promote the degree program because they're like, oh, well, that's going to take away from our base. You know, it's going to take away employees. But no, if you promote it, I promise you, it will it will strengthen your, your company. Yes, absolutely. It will make them it will make them do better charting. So your reimbursement rates are better. I mean, <laughs> is he talking you know, to me right now? <laughs> right? directly oh. to you <laughs> I, I am I am the charting mm-mm. so no we started using a, a new clinical software um, at the college and I love it because I can mark up their narratives mm. and I can say hey you misspelled it so I'm like the little like the red ink guy oh nice, nice. it's great
0: digital yeah. red ink nice
2: yeah it's <laughs> great it's awesome
0: well Adam but, we've really enjoyed talking to you today man um, I feel like A lot of, I don't don't know. I was trying to summarize what Adam is doing and wants to do in EMS. And for me, it just, if you could summarize it as leadership. Yes. Leading from the front and looking at where the performance gaps are and addressing them, treating your people right.
3: Being creative.
0: Being creative, uh, taking a different approach to typical education and using people's strengths for the good of the team and... um. I I just I love what you're doing, man, and yeah, me too. I really appreciate the content appreciate that you me. put out on on LinkedIn, especially. And um, if people want to contact you, how could they get a hold of you?
2: Um, my email. Uh, you can actually use my college email, Colbertson, which is my last name. C O B E R T S O N A at edgecomb. Edu, um, LinkedIn, of course. Um, Facebook. I mean. Yeah, that's good, about the only reason I'm interested. Nice job. He's got it all. He's got it all. I've got it all, yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, I think we're going to leave it there, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been awesome speaking with you and yeah. getting your take on all this. I wish he would have been my instructor. Me too. I know. Too.
2: I know. Thank a, you guys very dude. much. I really enjoyed y'all.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll catch all you guys on the next one.